Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for uh, coming out on Monday evening when, you know, I think is the timing that, um, well, people are coming, so <laughs> let's wait and see. I thought this place would be full. Um, welcome to this uh, presentation by my colleague, um, Dr. Adebayo Musabalaji. Um, he is one of the, the scholars for the Leventis uh, Fellowship. Uh, it's been here since October, and uh, the two of them, they will be here till the till December. Yeah, Next. yeah, mid December. Okay, mid December, mm -hmm. and um, the purpose is to come and um, use the facilities and the expertise that we have here to work on the work that they've started doing in Nigeria and also to rub minds with colleagues here and you <laughs> so that um, when they present what they're doing, you ask questions, you can have insight into uh, what you can contribute to what they're, they're saying. And uh, thank you very much for taking the time to prepare this and for coming. Right, uh, I think we want you to talk for about 35, 40 minutes, yeah. and so, so that it's we can have time shot, for uh, discussion. If you want to go over a bit, it's okay, but at times people tend to begin to go when it's like 6, 6.30 and you want to hear um, <coughs> you know, comments and questions and so on from people so that you're not just talking to one person or two. That's why I, I want to. So just you know, talk on the important things. I think oh, yeah. whatever we hear within 35, 40, 50 minutes, you should be okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, I try to keep to that. But in case I'm going beyond, well, somebody should just try to... I will do that. Maybe stone me or do something like that. <laughs> yeah, let me begin this way. Yeah, okay. This is the title of Sex in the Gospel, an odd rhetoric of subversion in the erotic song, in the erotic song of Yala Duque and St. Janet. 
Uh, this is Yala Dukesh with me and then a uh, research you know, colleague. Uh, Yala Dukesh is 85, well, should be 86 now this year because I interviewed her last year. <coughs> and this is St. Janet, uh, close to 40 right now. This is the presentation overview. I intend to execute you know, the, uh, the presentation. Now, what are the aim and objectives of the study? The first one is to investigate you know, erotic song within the historical context, and then the contemporary politics of the Yoruba male <coughs> religious world. And then two, to examine the rhetorical properties uh, for sexing you know, uh, the gospel. And then finally, to evaluate the power of the erotic and the agency of the female you know, renegade artist. And in doing that, I want to make uh, three principal you know, arguments in the study. The first one is to say that Yaladuke and St. Jeanette have been able to reclaim the oral space, that is the performance space, and then the self of the indigenous you know, Yoruba woman. Two to say that they've been able through their music to transcend the Islamic Christian conception of art or worldly music and thereby sexualize and then subvert you know, the Islamic and Christian gospel genres. And finally, <clears throat> to say that they've been able through their erotic song to assume agency in so you know, various ways, social, political, and economic, uh, by spread or scope. I intend to cover uh, the six each albums, three for Yela Duque and then three uh, for Saint Janet, and these are the you know <coughs> the albums. On Lache Wuniwa, Vocabulary Experience, Faji Plus, American Swagger, and then Stress Tonic. Now, by way of introduction, what is erotic music? Uh, some people you know consider erotic music to be. <coughs> what they call the song of banter or the you know, song of abuse uh, that is normally shared in different you know, contexts during performances in Yoruba land. It can also be described as body songs, songs, you know, humorous songs around sexual you know, matters, and then songs that make overt references to sex or human genitalia. You know, it, it's a, it also relates you know, to body uh, songs. And, uh, in a loose manner, what do we call, you know, the gospel? We're talking in this case about the teachings or the revelation of Christ. But then within the context of this study, we want to situate it very broadly to include, well, very loosely, you know, the teachings from other religions, particularly Islam. And to say that gospel music uh, is a kind of music that dwells on, you know, the religious teachings of these two you know, established religions. Now, erotic song in Yoruba land in historical context. Uh, erotic song has been, over time, you know, before the, before the colonial contact, and then it came in different, you know, contexts and to address, you know, various purposes in the society. And during this time, men and women partook actively in the performances. One, it came as a special category. You can have it, you know, for entertainment or for satirical uh, effects. You know, there are satirical performances, and then they will include, you know, uh, 
erotic, you know, lines and erotic, you know, jibes in order to entertain and then to instruct and then to, you know, <coughs> uh, attack some people in the society. This is one category of describing, you know, of talking about a particular people in the society. This is a way of describing, you know, some people in Ilefe. They say, Omolu Bodo Abobonyo. The child of the Bodo of, you know, Sweet Vagina. And another performance context before the colonial contact uh, was in the secular mode, you know, in the case of Oriki. You know, erotic song is also used to pay homage and then to, you know, to describe attributes. Uh, they commonly, you know, praise the witches by describing them as our mothers of a vagina, vagina no man dares to mate. And then, you know, erotic song could come within the context of ritual or festival. In a particular case, is the Okebado festival in Ibadan. In, in Okebado festival, you know, children and old people come around and they are free during the period to talk about any parts of the, you know, uh, human genitalia. Kids play about them and then, you know, older people in the society do as well. You know, examples are this. Uh, a particular, maybe Ibadan people trying to, you know, poke some fun at the Jabu people. They say, Oko Jabu. Ijebus pedis, be of baja like a rafter. Obo jebu, Ijebus vagina, be ikemu like a drinking jar. <coughs> now, all of these were earned before you know the advent of Islam and Christianity. When Islam came, Islam you know condemned poetry until now, and then all manners of worldly music. Uh, they consider it to be very eating, and then you know the bad. You know, they are faithful from partaking in them. Also, uh, Christianity, in Christianity, music was and is still an integral part of, you know, worship. But then, when the colonial church came, you know, and Africans were partaking, at some point, they felt they could call on, you know, Jesus through their own native, you know, language. But then, and then oh, other native, you know, uh, musical, you know, uh, musical accessories. But... The colonial missionary said, you could not, you know, praise Jesus with, say, bata, that is, uh, the drum for shango, and some other, you know, kind of drums. So, as a result of this, there was uh, a great, you know, problem, and then it led to some secession. Some churches decided to say, oh, we are going against, you know, uh, the colonial missionaries, and native heirs came up to challenge uh, in place, in place of such, you know, performances, they encouraged, you know, spiritually uplifting, you know, journals for their faithful to partake in. But it was based on one big thing, that uh, the Christian or the Muslim and the clerics could not understand the Yoruba conception of obscenity. Obscenity to Yoruba people uh, is not located, you know, mostly in the realm of the spoken words, but in action, you know. Yes. Oftentimes, in those times, you see, you know, Yoruba ladies and women, you know, you know, bath naked in the stream, and then they would dress their breasts with various forms of tattoo and walk around town. But nobody dared, you know, to touch the breasts. They were meant for beauty and for the display. So, so to this extent, uh, obscenity, according to the Yoruba, going by the Yoruba people, is not located in the spoken words, but in action. When you then go ahead to say you want to touch a lady, 
or you want to do what is you know wrong for them as laid down by the society also uh, christianity and islam could not also understand a clear you know part of yoruba metaphysics in yoruba metaphysics uh, there's a porous boundary between the profane and the sacred sometimes in ritual context women could go naked at the height of possession at that level we may not be talking about sexualized body, but a body you know, that has attained some spiritual height. Now, around 20th century, uh, you know, African people started to come around you know, to, to challenge the structures, the commandments of Christianity and Islam for them not to partake you know, in erotic performances. <clears throat> First of all, you know, male performers came around and they were engaging in it. Some engaged uh, erotic songs wholesale and some, you know, in part, depending on religious, you know, commitment. So at this time, I'm not totally comfortable this way. Sorry. And my times are going away. So, <coughs> so uh, after uh, the male, you know, appearance, a bit after, you know, female also, or women started coming on board. And in their own case also as well, some you know, engaged erotic, you know, music or erotic songs, and some engaged it in part, while some others, you know, engaged it in the whole cell. But the problem in the case of women, you know, <coughs> uh, renegade artists, was principally that the Yoruba society could tolerate men performers of erotic music. They said, oh, well, uh, you could have aberrant ones among males, you know, they're, they're guys, they're men, but then, Women, why would you engage in erotic music? No, this is bad, and this is morally wrong. <clears throat> so this formed the basis of the problem of the study. Why should the contemporary society allow, <clears throat> why should they allow you know, men performing in erotic you know, germ and then not allowing <clears throat> women you know, to partake in this germ? Whereas in the period before colonial contact, they were both you know, active partakers in the performance. So to that extent, we engage in this research as a kind of, uh, as a study of subversive music, a music that is, you know, trying to, you know, interrogate, that is trying to challenge, you know, a society moral standard in terms of who can participate in a particular genre or not. So we begin by talking about the rustic assembly uh, of Yeladuke and that of St. Janet. Uh, sorry, may I have an idea of time? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm rushing, sir. You just, just spent about uh, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, hey, okay, all right, okay. <laughs> now, uh, uh, Sengwele is, is a percussion music, like uh, the music of St. Janet, and it's an offshoot of, you know, Waka. Waka is an Islamic-oriented Yoruba music, and Yeladuke started, you know, right in, in, in a food stall, you know, when she was preparing food for, you know, for customers. Along with that, she would be singing, chanting lines. And then over time, you know, customers, you know, found that music very engaging. And each time <clears throat> she produced a line, customers would produce the chorus. And they would like, the chorus would be, when she sang something, they would say, Semwele. In response, and over time, you know, uh, the song became, you know, Samuel and uh, customers, you know, wives from different homes started, you know, coming around 
and at the end of the day, they engaged her to be partaking in some performances around life cycle, you know, ceremonies in Yoruba. Uh, let me quickly jump to St. Janet. Yeah, St. Janet, as a Christian, started her training right in the church, and she developed on, you know, in tune and chorus tunes. You know, normally, you know, most juju artists in, in, in Yoruba land, they came out, 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 out of the church, and to that extent, she was brought up on this. Another context that gave birth to, that uh, could be said to have given birth to St. Janet's music, uh, it's a membership of, you know, the Caribbean and Seraphim. It, it's a kind, it's, it, it, it's a native church, an African church that, you know, uh, that promoted syncretic cultural, you know, values. And because of that, they, 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 they have so many African, African cultural practices along with the Christian. So it, it was a kind of popery. And I can sense that that also, you know, went into, went into a music as a kind of resource. Uh, while in school, she joined the Palm Wine Music Society. Uh, and then the Palm Wine Society, you know, they, they, they have a kind of music known as Songito Kegito. It's a song around, you know, palm wine. And people, you know, over time develop different themes. <coughs> yeah, in Lagos, after, after her education, she went to a polytechnic. After her education, she started, you know, to practice in Lagos. And the first point of practice, because of economic, you know, uh, means because of wanting to survive economically, uh, she, she started, you know, performing in nightclubs and then in joints known as paraga or kind kind. In paraga shop, they sell, you know, strong liquor. And strong liquor, you know, with some herbal concoctions. And men and women will come around to drink you know, the concussion. The idea about the concussion is that it enhances, you know, the reptile, you know, uh, you know, well, and that, and that, and that. And so, and after that, <coughs> you know, she became known through performances in this joint and then in nightclubs. And over time, some big men, you know, came around to invite her to some, you know, performances for select audiences of wealthy people in Lagos. It was in this that she became widely known. She made a record at this time, and the record, it was, the, perform, the live performance was recorded in a cassette, and the manager was playing the cassette all around in his car. But one day, somebody called the manager that, your cassette that I normally listen to in your car is now to be released as an album in a production outfit. So, he called the lady, and the lady called her patrons, and they went straight to that place, and she released the cases as an album by herself, and that was how she came into, you know, uh, making albums and full-blown popular music. So what's the theoretical? I want to study, I want to use the womanist theory and the aspect of binary complementarity and then intertextuality to study the music and then to see how strategies have been deployed to enhance power and agency for the women. So I want to use textual analysis and then ethnographic documentation. Now, let's get close to the fire and see what we're talking about. So what are the rhetorical strategies that have brought about the big problem? 
for the crisis in the music of St. Janet and then Iyala Duke. Uh, <coughs> Iyala Duke, I'm sorry, St. Janet, in our own way, you know, considers our music to be a kind of a church or a republic. And that republic is an artistic one, not a physical one. That republic is known as St. Bottles Cathedral or Sinas Chapel. And in the Sinas Chapel, she is the general overseer. Well, perhaps to poke fun at, you know, the widespread of Pentecostal charismatic churches in Nigeria, I suppose. Now, in, in the church, there are so many strategies of song composition. Oh, well, I made a mistake. Can you help me pass that, pass that around to everybody? To everybody. Sorry, let's let me have one. So let me one. I made a mistake. I should have given you this. Now, uh, the first strategy, I just want to use two strategies from St. Janet and two from the other woman, and then I wrap up. Uh, the first one is the use of Christian gospel opening and closing these. The song is erotic music, but whenever she wants to open her music, she starts with gospel you know, songs, such that you think you're going to listen to gospel songs all through. But a bit midway, you begin to listen to erotic lines, and you wonder what kind of artistic heresy is going on here. The first song that you listen to is the first that we are aware, which is Heavenly Lord, something, something, something. But after that, you have various other songs. And such songs, one of them is the one that you have here. If you marry a kitty woman, you have the first opening glee, as I, the song that I produced. And at the end of the album, you have a closing glee, which is also a Christian gospel song. But in between the opening and the closing, you have all the erotic songs. And one of them is, if you marry a kitty woman, you can quickly read by yourself. If you, and then the other one is, uh, but let's just pick one, and, and I'll pick the second one. I don't do such a thing anymore. I don't do such a thing anymore to fuck a woman's ass so that she begins to jabber. Foul, foul language like, ouch. Language like, oh yeah, stop it, I like it. I don't do such a thing anymore. Now that's the first, you know, uh, rhetoric strategy. And then the second one is what I call erotic grafting. Uh, this is a principal strategy used by St. Janet. And how does she do it? She takes an erotic song she grafts an erotic song and then use, she will now use the Christian chorus or in tune as a stock and then the erotic song as a scene. So she will graft that erotic song on the Christian in tune. And this is what we have in the first song. Uh, 
Onyini Oruko Jesu Onyini. Well, I think you can read. I think that's song number four. And the song number four, you, that's the number four. The first one is the church chorus rendition in Nigeria. As you can have it in all churches in Nigeria. But then there's an adaptation by the Sinners Chapel's rendition. And you can read the, the, the first one and then you read the second one to see the you know artistic violence and disruption you know taking place yeah yeah i think we should just move to the next one and talk about ayala uh, duke uh, the first you know rhetoric strategy by ayala duke is also close to artistic you know grafting but this is called you know uh, erotic parlaying of islamic gospel rhetoric <clears throat> uh, in the same way Yaladuke would take an aspect of the Islamic evangelic discourse, you know, and then she will now occupy, she would arrest it totally, and then parlay, she would now parlay all things erotic onto that. <coughs> the principal one that I want to cite is the number two, which I, which I call Nosia, under the opening glee. Let us listen to a short sermon. Nasiya means sermon in Islam. And a sermon is given by a learned, you know, Islamic cleric. And this learned Islamic cleric is, you know, believed to be spiritually, you know, uh, endowed. And who can talk about God? Who can represent God? Who can tell us the mind of God? Now, in the case of St. Janet, she has appropriated this, you know, uh, at, she has appropriated this, you know, evangelical discourse and now parlays all things erotic on this. So what we have as a sermon in this is the erotic, you know, songs instead of, you know, the messages from the Quran or from all of the moral, you know, uh, uh, context, you know, permitted by Islam. So now, the second one that I want to pick uh, on that Yaladuke is Imagistic Euphemism. Let's pick the first song, Babam Belarafa, Father is on Mount Arafat. She uses this to describe sexual intercourse. And she says, Baba, that is the man, is on the Mount Arafat. Mount Arafat is one ritual done by Muslims in Hajj. It's the only mountain that everybody must climb. In fact, it's the peak of all the performances in Hajj. So it's a mount you know, that everybody must you know, climb. And in this case, she has appropriated the mount to a pubic mound. And now saying that a man is on top of that. The sacred has been drawn to the domain of the profane. And in this case, within the you know, musical context, a revolution of Iyaladuke. Uh, I think let me close on that uh, for the rhetoric strategies. And let me go to a brief discussion about that. Going by intertextuality. Inter intertextuality is a dialogue of two texts. <laughs> in this case, we have the erotic text and then the gospel text. There's an interaction, there's an interrogation, 
And then what it's now come out so clear is that there's a dangerous play carried down by this artist. And there's been an occupation of a particular text. A text has been able to cannibalize the other text. And this is described as a very robust creative energy on the part of the artists. And this is what we've seen in the opening leaves, in erotic graft, and then erotic parlaying, and then the last one. So, and then what are the consequences of all this you know, artistic you know, revolution and there on the part of the artists? Uh, the old gospel music by Islam and Christianity, both of them have been sexualized and cannibalized and taken over. And to that extent, uh, we can liken the artists to you know, erotic malefactor. They've been able to destroy the old church the old Islamic, you know, order, and then to create a new church in the musical, you know, parlance. <laughs> and this is the revolution that they have done uh, through the artistic, you know, strategies. Uh, quickly looking at, you know, what their fans, you know, talk about, you know, these people. 15% uh, non-fans of Yeladuke considered a music to be harmless. 20%, you know, other non fans expressed happiness that Samuel Jesu. There's an, there, there, there is an artist who is a Christian who is also struggling now to rescue that space from Yeladuke. Yeladuke has become, has become you know, widely popular. And she now thinks that wrestling with that artistic space can be used for Jesus. And she's singing in this or that and then bringing back the normal you know, or the widely known gospel you know, music using Semwele, and it's known as Semwele Jason. 70% fans of Yeladuke, especially older women, claim to have bought and used our records for bedtime pastime, mostly. They listen to it when they want to sleep. And 5% non-fans from Ilori claim not to have heard of her music before. In the case of St. Janet, 60% of her fans, mostly older women and men, reported that they played with chorus tunes this way or the other while in school and sometimes till now but that St. Janet you know simply happened to be a bold musician she had a space to go into music and then they could not so that there's nothing actually and 20 percent religious people considered a music to be signs of end time <laughs> and 15 percent randomly interviewed claim our music was good for relaxation and five percent randomly interviewed claim that they had never had our music. So, given this artistic revolution that was, you know, the society rose up because they've been, the ladies have been able to tamper with the balance, identity balance, identity configuration created by the male religious Yoruba society. So, then through their surveillance package and reprisal, you know, technique, they then came upon these, you know, women and, you know, uh, dealt with them in their own way. One particular way with which Yaladuke was dealt with uh, in Ilori in Nigeria, she was first of all stigmatized, stigmatized. She was called a bastard child of Ilori. And then later she was drawn, you know, she was summoned to the palace of Emi of Ilori for interrogation by Muslim clerics. You know, imagine, you know, inviting an artist to the Emir's palace and almost all the clerics in town, they came cracking down on her. And after that, 
she was made to be arrested by the police. But through some intervention from the husband, you know, who waded his way through the ranks of the Muslim clerics, finally uh, the woman was released on bail. Yeah, in the case of St. Janet in Lagos, uh, there was a union of the opposites. For the first time, Islamic and you know, Christian clerics came together and they, they presented a common front against you know, a big threat to, to, to the society as they perceived. And they worked through an alliance with the political you know, people in the House of Assembly. So there was a sitting in the House of Assembly they listened to our songs, and the song was banned from being played, from being heard in the radio, you know, uh, in the radio, in, in the television, and in all other manners of media, uh, all manners of communication. But with the ban, she became, you know, extremely more popular, and people started, you know, looking for our songs. So now this is the way it is captured in the newspaper, but let me jump back. Now, responses from people, fans, uh, in relation to, 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 to the ban. 30% non-fans from Ilori Metropolis supported the arrest of Yeladuke and considered her as, and considered her a headache that should be banished. 20% non-fans charged the Ilori Muslim clerics of double standard and 70% of fans across universities dubbed the learning Muslim clerics as being unserious. And 20% of mostly women fans claimed they were not aware of such a thoughtless move by the clerics. Uh, Respondents to reactions in this legal set of House of Assembly, 45% of our fans debunked the ban on our music, dubbed it diversionary, and 20% mostly religious ones supported it and suggested a, a jail term for, for St. Janet. 10% were not aware of the action of the house, but felt something should be done. You know, they you know, came outside religious considerations. And 25% mostly youth thought the corrupt house had no moral authority to condemn the simple player in St. Janet's uh, music. And here is St. Janet himself. I am not saying anything that has not been said before by the likes of Sir Shino Peters, Grace Jones, Billy Jackson, Madonna, Lady Gaga, Obesary, and King Sonyade. The entire hip-hop generation of today is about sex, and they are sometimes very explicit about it. So what have I done wrong? Is it because I am a woman? Women are the ones who are used as mere toys for sexual appeasement of the male in many musical videos. Why does anyone not see anything wrong in that? I am fighting for women. So, uh, by, you know, binary complementarity, I am of the opinion that, you know, given the interest of viewpoint of binary complementarity, that women should be inserted or included in most, you know, aspects of the society, be it social, economic, cultural, and political. So through their engagement in this music, uh, they've been able to challenge, they've been able to call to task the moral order uh, surrounding you know, who can participate in what kind of music and who cannot participate based on sexuality, based on the fact that you are a man or you are a woman. So 
through their inclusion in this cultural dimension of popular music, they've been able to challenge the structures of the male, you know, religious world. And in this case, men have now been turned to the other. And it's men that has, you know, occupied the second side or the other side of the scale. And then so much angst is going with them in the society. Through this music, women can listen to and give expression to the language of their body. And principally, according to the claim of this, you know, project, women, you know, these artists have been able to reinvent and retrieve the self of the indigenous Yoruba artists. The indigenous Yoruba artists who could, you know, partake in oral erotic performances, you know, the woman, you know, has now been called back. Our participation and our selfhood to, you know, typify and symbolize, you know, the inner selfhood of women that no one can actually, you know, really fathom. Uh, by way of rounding up, I'm saying that 60% of older women reported that she had provided an opportunity for them to sing aloud their either two private thoughts and yearnings, or at best, she had jokes among women. You know, before women would just talk about their, you know, their, their sexual matters among themselves. You know, the society did not actually, you know, allow them to come, you know, in public and then be giving expression to them as men who even talk about their various concubines, you know, outside. So 20% of non-fans felt that our arrest had even drawn more public attention to issues of the erotic. And 20% of our fans informed that a number of women had started, you know, singing Sewele in Yoruba land, outside the Sewele Jesu. And 10% of women, non-fans, claimed they enjoy their private identity as avid consumers of our music. They, they're not interested in coming up, but they enjoy our music, and they don't want anybody to know. In the case of St. Janet, 20% older women confessed that they could be caught listening to her music. And 15 married young adults couples told me they had listened to her music for many purposes. I wouldn't know anyway. And 40%, you know, tertiary uh, school youth and a sizable number of married women informed me that her music and its public condemnation had brought the erotic into a more common and popular context and that women were becoming more open about matters of sex. 25% religious people felt that the music would make women to be wayward and to no longer be submissive. I think that the crime of Yaladuke and St. Janet you know, lies in, in, in their capacity, in their boldness, in their dare to come out and to partake in erotic, you know, erotic. Because most of these things were learned from various stages in primary school, in secondary school. And we always sing all about these songs. But it was always, and it's still always, you know, taken from the society in private. But they have been able to come to express their there and to sing it in public. And St. Genesis. But the burning of my CD of my CD made me popular. Now, virtually everybody knows St. Janet. The same government officials that banned my songs listen to my music. 
I don't want to mention names, but I play for them. They invite me to private parties, and I perform there. So, well, unfortunately, I can't handle the music. Anyone. So I want to end on this note. And this is our song, one of our songs that she normally uses, you know, to close, you know, the erotic song, which is, which is also uh, a gospel lines, and it goes, "Keep reigning, O Lord, keep reigning, O Lord, the King that cannot be dethroned, the powerful one that cannot be defeated." Your kingdom is blissful. Reign forever, O Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is actually just... Yeah, <laughs> I did. Okay. <laughs> but it was quite a lot of rush anyway. So. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that people have questions and comments and, uh, and so on. But... Can I just um, start with, uh, with one? I see a lot of parallel between the artistic creativity of people like uh, St. Janet and Nienka Ayefele, for example. If you look at the, the mood of the music, uh, with all the embellishments and the musicians and so on, you would, the only difference being that Nienka Ayefele will not do anything like the erotic because it's you know it's a gospel singer, but in terms of, um, but also there are a number of other parallels. I was li listening to Yaladuke, and I was I was thinking about uh, Salawa Tuabeni, who actually started with Waka as well in the Islamic sense, and on the male side. If you think of Alaji Dada Ipuakara, um, Alaji Odulayaremu, um, Yusuf Alatunji, um, and uh, Obunda Refonyamu, uh, these are different genres of, but these are um, very gifted people in terms of their um, knowledge of what we call profound Yoruba. And I think that came through in what Yaladuke uh, is doing. The erotic is just one aspect of what may endear her to people. And while I was actually uh, listening to her music, which I didn't know much about before, but when I read your thing, I, I Googled it and I, I started listening to those things, I can, I can see St. Janet more erotic than, uh, than Yaladuke from the little things that I, I listened to. So, um, there are quite a number of other, other parallels. Do you see that artistic creativity as what may actually be part of the endearment to the general public, apart from the erotic? Because some people, as you said in your, um, you know, the, the, the percentages, they listen to it, not because they condone the erotic, you know, um, jibes and so on, but could there be other things in what they say that they just they, they latch onto? Let me let me stop it there because I know that there will be other other people who want to ask questions. Yeah, I think 
Yeah, there are parallels actually. And then if I get your question very correctly, uh, the erotic is an aspect. In fact, the principal strategy, as I, I want to speak, because looking at, looking at, looking at the entire albums of St. Janet, uh, it's all about, the erotic is the mainstay. But as I said in the opening, that the erotic is used for so many purposes. The erotic is used <coughs> to, to entertain, to, to instruct, to, you know, to, to poke fun, to create humor, and then to create some kind of stress reduction, according to St. Janet, because there's actually an album on stress reduction, that this is purely something, some light fun for, for people to, to enjoy, to, to relax, and then to think away about the problems of the society, you know. But at the same time, in doing that, much truth is, you know, communicated. And, you know, uh, in, in some of the erotic songs, you, 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 have, you, can, you can see Iyala Duque condemning, you know, vices in the society. That uh, you, you who has been allowing men to use you, at the end of the day, you may not be able to go further in your education. When, when, when you get pregnant too early enough, your parents may not be able to sponsor you for further education, but we want to concentrate on the little kid you are about to give birth to. You know, heart instructs sometimes through the negative. And if you read the Bible as well, also, you know, there are the Ten Commandments, thou must not, thou must not, thou must not. And I think in some way also, you know, art sometimes, you know, instructs, you know, through the negative. And, and this is what we, we, so I can, to that extent, you know, draw the parallels that without the erotic, Mikayefele <laughs> and some others are entertaining, instructing, you know, condemning. In the same way, the erotic, you know, performs all these other functions. So I, I don't know if I have made some sense of your... carry on <laughs> yeah. discussion after, but I will. Yeah. Uh, um, are there questions and uh, <coughs> comments? Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. I enjoyed this. I didn't know anything about it. Never heard it in Nigeria before. But I wanted to ask you why you define it as a kind of subversive genre, because if you read the lyrics, mm. it's very much um, uh, written from a male perspective. If uh. you marry a kitty lady, make you, uh, make you fuck her well. It's about to fuck a woman's ass. It's about, so it's very much from the perspective of a man. So why would you call that a subversive genre? What is the subversive aspect of, of it? That it's uh, performed by a woman? So that's my question. And also, um, I have some questions about this whole notion of Islamic gospel. Because I don't know if you can really talk about Islamic gospel. Mm. So why would you call it a gospel? And then singing has another connotation than chanting in Islam. So is it really singing? So that would make it then in some ways subversive because the whole singing as a genre doesn't exist. Uh, exist. So I don't know enough about waka. So maybe you can okay. 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 So contextualize it. 
Well, first of all, my main question is about the subversive genre. What makes it so subversive? Mm, yeah, well, I, yeah, this, this is a question that, the, the question is very interesting. Uh, I, I must say that there are so many other uh, lyrics that talk about, you know, uh, the other side as well. These are simply the ones that I have selected for this. So it's, so it's not all about male perspective. So there are other songs, there are other lyrics. But then the point of subversion, I hope you can get what I've said about that. The point of subversion is who can participate in this you know, musical discourse? The male religious society has you know, come about to tolerate men and to say, oh, women, you can't. So the coming around to telling that is the point of the subversion. So the performative aspect. Of yeah, 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 yeah. So who can access, who can, you know, negotiate, you know, power. And they saw that performance as a kind of negotiating and speaking to power. So even when he's, she's saying the same thing that men will say. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, that, 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 because it's, it's, what has been over time established, given the advent of Islam and Christianity, that look, women must not be seen. That is a good woman must not be seen to you know be partaking in this kind of musical discourse. So, but these female artists have now come around to say that look, in Yoruba societies before colonial contact, women participated actively in this genre. So it's, it's in going and in challenging who has the right to participate in the discourse. That is the point of subversion. Okay. But of course, there are other songs, there are other lyrics that talk about, <laughs> that are from the female. No, I'm know, basing uh, myself on what you just, because so, I never uh, Yeah, before. thank you very much. And then the second one, uh, I quite agree. And I think I'm going to rework that aspect about this. Uh, you know, when, when I started, I said what I could loosely describe as you know gospel, you know, in relation to Islamic. You know, it, it doesn't fit the bill actually. But you know, that was how I said loosely, for want you know of appropriate term to use in that case. But when we're talking about music, or uh, uh, Islam as its own kind of music. <laughs> You may call it chance, mm -hmm. but there are various, there are different categories of music. But then Islam, Islam has its own. You know, there are there are chants, there are there are recitations. You know, even the call to to prayer. The call to prayer is is a kind of music on its own. Well, I think many Muslims will not agree with that. They would say that the, the, oh. the call for prayers, if you call it music, uh, they feel kind of well, well, but you know, those, the, the musical, the music, uh, the, uh, you know, those in ethno, or what do I call them? Uh, they've been able to describe. Okay, they've been able to describe. You know, we 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 don't we can't listen to what Muslims say about that. But the thing is, a call to prayer is a kind of you know, it's a kind of music on its own. There are different classifications of music. In fact, 
if you if you you uh, this uh, Muslim those who engage in Sufi, you know, when they do their tarabo things, there are so many. There are there are songs that are so. Uh, in the in musical analysis, cultural prayer is, is is a category, is a classification of music, and you know, so. So, uh, I think I've. Can I just add that a worker, mm. uh, which you have okay. also in Kansa, mm. which you have in Yoruba, and which forms the basis of the, the songs of, uh, say, Siku and Debarista, for example, uh, is the kind of music that is played during the month of Ramadan to wake people up to um, pray or do some rituals about early morning eating before the, the um, fast starts. But again, it becomes future music, which is full-blown music with, with you know, modern accompaniments and so on, mm. which takes it from the realm of what um, clerics or uh, imams or people who consider themselves to be devout Muslim would consider that is permissible. So it's really crossing that boundary into popular music, uh, which started, it has a kind of Islamic origin in terms of the function of it, but it's gone beyond that into what is popular and so on. And it's important to note that from the little I listened to from Yaladuke, their homage is paid to all these people, yeah. recounting their ancestry as well, their parents and so on. So it's a kind of Islamic tradition there that is going back to the parents of all these people who have come from you know, Islamic background but have become huge, big, big names in, in the music world. Yeah, so I, I think in that sense, there is a kind of transition from mm -hmm. what it was originally to full-blown, you know, so we see a kind of subversion already there. That's right. Yeah. So it's like uh, countering what the restriction that was there in Islamic, Islamic terms, which is probably one of the reasons why northern, northern Nigeria Muslims tend to look at southern Nigeria Muslims in a way mm -hmm. because of the, um, the freedom, the, the, the kind of uh, liberty to, mm -hmm. to take these things into the you know, cultural tradition or religious traditions are actually blurs the uh, Islamic restriction, if you like, of what is permissible. Yes, Amy? Uh, you practically said um, most, of, most of the main points I was, I was going to make, but okay. I was just going to support um, the, the, the two points that the, you, you two um, gentlemen said. Um, music, music, um, music and the Islamic religion in, in Yoruba land in southwest in southwestern Nigeria are highly intertwined. So um, say for example during the month the month of Ramadan for example the the call, the call to prayer is usually actually essentially music. You have um, specific designated singers who go from house to house in Islamic neighborhoods in, in, in the West calling to people to come out to pray. And it's usually not just you know a sort of a normal call to prayer like in northern Nigeria or in some other parts of the world, it's usually sort of a, a sing-songy kind of affair where they sort of admonish you at the same time saying, you should be a true Muslim, wake up between such and such hour, 
to offer your prayers to God. So there's a, just to support what you're saying, there's a strong, uh, there's a strong um, connection between um, music, music and, and, and prayer. And uh, that's sort of what makes um, our own kind of um, um, practice of Islam in, in the west of Nigeria is a bit different from elsewhere. And um, Yeah, thank you. Any, any other comments? Questions? Um, I just wanted to ask about the, uh, the statistics that you had. What wasn't clear to me is how many people were asked, whether it was 10 people or 100 people, or so it's pretty difficult for me to get a concept of how, how big the... Uh, Sorry, a concept of what? Uh, the question, obviously, people were asked questions about whether they listen to this music or their relationship was to it. And then you give the percentage of, you know, yeah, 20% and so on, of, of uh, what was the, what's the, um, the number? More or less. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, actually, when I, when I did all my interviews, I, I gave it to a colleague in uh, this uh, statistics, I know, so, and he did all the analysis for me, which I used here. But I, I want to say that Saint Genet came out in 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 the in the in, in two thousand in year two no mid two thousand no sorry early two thousand and <clears throat> from that period till now she's been able to produce about six albums and then uh, her name has been all over the place. So many people have been talking about her. And I quite know that uh, she's become you know, popular. According to what she told me, she's booked the year out on all weekends. And now, coming to the number of people that I have spoken to, quite a lot of them, based on what I have you know, described in, in, in their statistics, I've been able to, to say that, look, we have seen our music this way or that way. So you can also have some people in Nigeria who can tell you, sorry, in, in the southwest of Nigeria, that we've never heard of St. Janet or we've never heard of Iyala Duke. And they can be in a sizable you know, you know, uh, quantity. But of course, through my movement around you know, uh, you know, some parts of Yoruba you know, cities, I, 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 I could observe that you know a lot of people too have been have listened to you know these two female renegade artists and they have been able to make some impacts <coughs> in in their way of you know thinking. I don't know if I get your question so yeah, properly. How many people were asked? So what, what representation of, of Southwest Nigeria that this this these stats? Yeah, I I, I you know I I. I, I went through about uh, six, you know, uh, major cities in Yoruba land. I took Ilefe, Ogumosho, Ibadan, Lagos, Ilori, and then uh, Ikare, Kiti. Six, you know, major cities, and I interviewed people in those places. So it's, it's based on that that I've been able to come up with these, you know, conclusions. Sorry, with this, uh, uh, with this data about the re the reactions to to their music, Thank you. and I'm, 
for that. Yes. Can I ask another question, or mm -hmm. talking to Mark? Okay, no. You call them renegade uh, mm -hmm. artists, but if you want to study them as a kind of bring about an artistic revolution, why do you use the term renegade? Because uh, that's a very negative term. So do they yeah. see themselves as renegade? Yeah, great. Thank you. I think I should have talked about that. Uh, if you look at the word, it, it, it's a... Uh, between inverted commas, uh, yeah, yeah. still use it. So, <laughs> yeah. Term, so uh, this is what well, this is what you know those people, mostly you know religious people, call them. And within the context of the revolution, I try to retain it, and then go beyond you know their own negative you know uh, labeling of that you know word. I still I accept. In that, putting it in that inverted comma, I have accepted the word and its connotations within the context of the artistic revolution engaged in by these women artists. But as I'm saying I've been able to go beyond their connotations. It's like saying artistic heresy, heresy in inverted comma. In a way, it pokes fun, and at the same time, it's a mode of agreeing or accepting the negativity within the context of that revolution. But it also changes the perspective. Do you want to study the genre from the perspective of the women themselves? And if that is your aim, then I think you shouldn't call them uh, renegade artists. When you want to look at how mainstream society looks at them, Mm -hmm. then you might want to use it, but it depends on what your aims and objectives with the whole study are. That's right. Uh, actually, I want to, because you're a man, okay. uh, and I want to see whether you actually ask them and they agree with that term. <laughs> um, I don't think they would, but, but you know, maybe it's just good to, to, to see whether it's something they're comfortable with, okay. even in themselves as, okay. as, okay. as such. I, I think around that, I think uh, when I get back, I say, you know, Ask them, but the the point I'm trying to well, let's just well, yeah. I, I, I look around it. I want to um, ask two questions. Or raise yeah. issue about, uh, two issues. I was looking at this um, republic, um, you know, hmm. of Saint Janet and uh, and Sinas Chapel and so on, and just quickly. The, the, the Kalakuta Republic came to yeah. mind. <laughs> Is there a parallel of another republic here? Uh, that's one point. Um, you make another point about um, the Kegaks, the Palm Wine Drinkers Club, which is a very popular organization in many um, university campuses and polytechnics and so on. And the journey of St. Janet through that um, that, that, that one is, is very interesting. But when I listen to some of the lyrics, uh, the opening glee or opening lyrics, the concluding ones and the um, several that comes in, apart from the um, you know, erotic ones, there is a case of uh, parody here, parody okay. of, of popular musicians. Okay. Um, you know, I listened to one which was looking at uh, 
album and he sang it from the beginning to the end. To the end. Can you imagine? So, <laughs> and uh, so, so, uh, she would take that Tunjio Yelano. She took a song by Wasiu. Mm -hmm. She turned it upside down. Right. Another one by King Sonia. She yeah. turned it upside down, yeah. such that when the original owners see the music or listen to the music, they say, "Wow, what this?" <laughs> but then that's that's the point of artistic, you know, a revolution that we're talking about, whether negative or positive. Mm -hmm. Some creative energy is gone into doing that, whether it's heresy, whether it's. If you do that, and that's the point of. If you, do, if you do that, yeah, with somebody's music, even the tune or whatever, you you're in for it. You don't, you don't, because just the once you hear, if you know the music, once you hear those tune, you have the, you will know what the original source is, and somebody can be damned for 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 it here. So, yeah, in Nigeria. I'm not sure. We are not. We are not yet there. Not in there. In Nigeria. Okay. Right. Does anybody have? Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, this isn't going to contribute anything um, intellectually, but I, I was just thinking it, it's. Um, I think it's sort of like like you're saying it sort of follows the, the tradition of the kegaita and, and the sort of music they make. So there's already sort of um, been in existence that precedence where you have the kegais who take um, popular tunes, yes, and they sort of just um, mangle them and give them their own sort of um, lyrics and the lyrics are usually quite risque um, mm -hmm. and, and so you've, 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 you've always had that existence especially on the university campuses and with the, the, the Kagai songs more often than not the tunes remain the same but then depending I suppose on where you find yourself the, the, the lyrics might just um, might just uh, differ a little bit. And, and if you don't like the content, you still like the font. You still exactly. You still find yourself dancing. And, and I think you see that especially with um uh, uh, Saint uh, Saint uh, Saint I think she deliberately wants to take these popular tunes that she knows we all all hold there right. and just sort of do. <laughs> Actually, I have tried to look at my uh, in my flash drive. I can't find it right on the system. There's actually, yeah, that's that's my conclusion. What you said is my conclusion in 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 in, in my presentation in Birmingham that she can help me. Yeah. By way of rounding off, I shall like to suggest that Saint Janet may have designed the opening and closing glees as Leo. Okay. And cover that would smoothly enable hypocritical Yoruba women and men enter safely into her music and enjoy it. Right. So that thereafter, she simply goes into, you know, the erotic. You know, it's a way of bringing them in first, and then she will then go into the erotic uh, songs. Uh, this issue of plagiarism. I, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 still a problem uh, in 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 Nigeria, or should I should I say in Africa? But uh, but plagiarism is a very very it's a big it's a big problem, even in the West, as you're saying. I mean, art generally, there's hardly you know because there's there's hardly what you call original creation, you know. It's still a contentious, you know, thing. I mean, then there, there's what they call the anxiety of influence, according to Harold Bloom, mm. in which you might be operating 
because the human mind is largely overpopulated. What do you think you're writing? You're writing now, which is genuine, which is original. It's a product of, of the society. You are brought up in a certain way. You went to a school. Yeah. And, and you learn about certain you know, writing regimes, musical regimes. In going through all of that, I mean, and then when you want to write, you don't write the entire of yourself. You write the society into it as well. All you've gone through. But that's not a clear case in a court of law anyway. It's a, it's an argument. It's an ongoing argument in literature and music. So, so I'm not supporting what's going on in Nigeria, in the context of plagiarism. <laughs> but it's a large problem. It's a larger problem of you know, you know what they call. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 But have they uh, influenced young women in any ways to speak out and be more feminist in Nigeria? Yeah, you see, what I, what I can say uh, within the level of my own research is that uh, more women you know, are now coming out to say, well, through, through the performance of the music or the music being in the popular domain, uh, they've been able to come out to talk, you know, you know, rather publicly, but what they normally would talk about in their own private, you know, rooms or among their, you know, peers, they come in out largely to say, this is what I want. Sometimes when, well, I've never done it anyway before. Uh, for those who have girlfriends, you know, I, I've been able to gather that, uh, you know, Ladies talk about sex freely, and they will want to tell you, "This is what I want. This is how I want it, and this is how I want it." And from my reports as well, uh, you know, some women use, you know, yaladuke as bedtime. Instead of what do you call bedtime, you know, story or bedtime narratives, they listen to her. Even some with their husbands, and some, some, some will say, "Yeah, we listen to Saint Janet. We cannot come up now." But this is what we want. But some are saying, look, we can talk about it now. You see, uh, my feeling is this thing cannot be that sharp. You know, uh, because these artists as well are equally being, you know, subjugated in the society, even till tomorrow. But of course, as they're going about, you know, some people are following them. And some women are getting bolder and saying, look, this is what I want. This is my body. Um, yeah, it's probably a, a simple sort of question. I just wanted to try and picture any of the you know, performances and how, how they are. I wondered, like, as an audience, um, um, would you expect to see a lot of women, you know, any of the performances of the artists, would there be um, a lot of women, or is it, a lot of men. I just was trying to picture, you know, the yeah mm. concerts or, or you know. Yeah, I must say that I followed about five of uh, performances, right. and then about seven of that of Iyala Duque. And I have been able to observe that 
so many women more than what we normally thought you know so many women participate in in these performances so many women follow them drink beer smoke cigarettes indian hymns and so many things but the problem is the hypocritical pride or should i say hypocritical pride no it's because so many women are still afraid of disobedience you know you know measures of the male world but in the dark or when it's in the in this in the in the performances for select or private audiences many women follow them what i'm saying is through the performances that i have seen they have a lot of women following around them are you are you Okay. Now, um, when when I was listening to you and um, looking at what I what I've had from the two, uh, I haven't had all you, but uh, from the little I've, I've had, I was just thinking that are they not just reflecting what is going on in society? We know that issues of um, sexual impropriety goes on in the churches, you know, Pentecostal, Evangelical, whatever you call them, it does go on. Writers write about it. Akimu Mishala wrote many years ago about mm. Aleabo, mm, mm. which is this thing about uh, night vigils and vigils and what happens in them that way. You know. So, uh, people write about this. People who don't even go to church know what is going on there when you have night video every night, you know, and, and, and it's becoming like a craze, you know, with, uh, and <clears throat> is this not just a way of these artists saying the same thing that other people are saying? You read them in newspapers, you hear them, in the court, you know, they become court cases, or, you know, you, 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 you hear those things, you know, happen. And are they not just reflecting what is happening? But as you say, maybe in a way that they have not been able to say it in contemporary times. Mm. But in the past, they used to. They were, you know, men and women. Mm. It's what we call poetic license. Mm. When you, you talk about, you know, female marriage and Italian, there's no shame about it in the act of that performance, you know, talking about. That. I mean, it's what people uh, laugh about. The Okibado mm. festival you mentioned, or uh, Edi festival in, in Ileva. These are times of the of the year where, like, the rules are suspended, and people can say anything, and nobody arrested for. You know. So, are they not just using that and talking about things that are happening in society? And Saint Janet herself said that. You're guiding me here, but you actually invite me to perform for you. So is it not that hypocritical stance that they're just uh, presenting to, to the world to see? That on the one hand, they're saying, no, this is not allowed because of our religion and so But in that setting of the religious space also, you know, sacrilegious things do happen. And, and people talk about it. It's not like people don't know that these things do happen. 
pastors pregnating members of the church and marrying somebody's wife and so on. It's all reported in newspapers. We hear it, we see it. So are they not just using their artistic uh, license to you know, get into that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I made a point in a roast in the opening when I talked about uh, the artistic uh, republic, and I said, uh, in our own case, the name is Sinas Chapel or Saint Bo uh, Saint Bottles, you know, Cathedral. And I said that that, in a way, it's a it it it's 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 a kind of interrogating the widespread, you know, Pentecostal, charismatic, you know, uh, churches and their operation in the Southwest, or in Nigeria generally, because uh, Nigeria is said, well, I'm not putting, or considered to be the headquarters of the Pentecostal, you know, charismatic, you know, churches after Italy. Okay, I think, oh no, Lagos first and then Italy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. And I may, I may, I may not be right. I may not be right. It's, and I'm, I'm not. So, the, because I've, I've also had about the, 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 the only or the secret highway or, or the, uh, the secret or the only highway or something. Spiritual highway. Spiritual <laughs> so, uh, in a way, the uh, Saint Janet could be. You know, that's a big metaphor. If someone can take the church and then to reoccupy it in a certain way, you know, the, 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 the erotic parody of, of the real church, where most things are turned, you know, upside down. In, in our own case, she's saying that in my church, you can, you can drink. In my church, you can, you can smoke. In my church, you can... You can, you can, you can make love. You can, you can, you know, not make love. You can fuck, to put it in our own way, in our own way, in our own way. So trying to create, trying to say this is the real, you know, uh, thing that you know goes on. You know, you know, adds us its own way of talking about real life. Themes are drawn from real life, but there, there, there must be artistic, you know, adaptation. And I think that's what she is engaging. And then in this case, it's, it's a metaphor for the entire society as well. You know, beyond the church or outside the church. In mosques, you find all of these things. There's a song I can't remember particularly. She sings that uh, when it's coming to the end of the world, you'll be seeing fake pastors, you'll be seeing fake Muslim clerics. She has a song like that. And she also has a very terrible song about those who know about ladies who know how to handle men so well. And she picks three of them from different, you know, churches <laughs> in Nigeria. So I think, as I said, you know, art as a way of instructing. And it does that also through the negative. And I think this is what we're seeing in this. Right. Well, if there are no more questions or comments. Uh, we want to thank you for the uh, presentation yeah. and I hope you will take into account all the comments that people have yeah. uh, made and the questions and use it to strengthen the position. Thank you very much. Yeah, I thank everybody for coming.